come in, and uh, if there aren't any, then we'll all go home. But if there are, then, <laughs> then uh, we'll just kind of try to tackle them one, uh, one at a time. Um, and I'll, I'll give a little bit. What is biblically wrong with the statement, God loves homosexuality, but, uh, homosexuals, but hates their acts of homosexuality? What is biblically wrong with that statement? Um, well, I don't, I don't know that there is anything biblically wrong with that. I mean, God does love. He loves sinners, hates their sin. I mean, there, the truth of the matter is there's, there's scriptures, certainly in the Old Testament, that would suggest that, um, that we've been maybe a little too light on sinners. The wrath of God is building against sinners. And there's some passages that actually says, I, I don't just hate your sin. I'm, my wrath is against you. I want to be careful when I say that, okay? I don't... I don't uh, but but I, think, I think the issue is you look at Jesus. Jesus went and said, I, I think if Jesus were around today, he'd be hanging out with lots of gay people. I really do. I, I think he would, he would make that, you know, like I, I want to be around people that are, that are, that are far from God. I want to be around people, you know, tax collectors. I mean, these are, this is a category of people in Jesus' day that were just in the culture's eyes were abhorrent. Now, I'm not saying that's where homosexuality is today, but I think he would go and he would spend a lot of time. He'd say, and, and by that, I think we see that Scripture teaches that God loves them, loves them, and yet hates their sin. But understand, that, see, that, that's, that's, that's understood as an attack on the person. And that's, that's like saying, I hate cancer. I hate the thing that's killing you. Um, any more than it's attack on me that he would say, I, you know, let's say I was sexually promiscuous. I hate that you're sexually promiscuous, Chris. I hate that you lust all the time. I hate that. I don't want you to do that because that'll kill you, and I love you more than that, okay? Is there another one? Any advice on how to address a young child's question on sexuality? Well, don't freak out first. <laughs> um, you know, uh, just because... Johnny puts on high heels doesn't mean he's gay. Uh, just because Jane likes football and soccer doesn't mean she's a lesbian, right? I think, uh, but I, I think as they talk about, I think there's an age appropriateness to that. You know, Michelle and I didn't, you know, we, we wanted to wait for our kids to, to uh, have the ability to understand that and be able to address that with them. Um, I had a very, <laughs> well, never mind, I won't tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I had some good conversations about sex with my kids, and uh, and you just do it when I, I think I think you've got to decide as parents uh, when when that's appropriate. Now, when it comes to hey, what about Uncle John and his friend? There again, I just think you as as a parent have to decide when's appropriate, what's appropriate, and then what you want to do is bring the Bible to bear and help them understand what the Bible has to say about that. And not in a condemning way. I don't tell you that, little Johnny, because I want you to be angry at uncle or aunt or whoever or a friend. I'm telling you, that, let's, let's, you know, this is, this is what the Bible says. So I want you to know the truth, and, uh, and then we can deal with that compassionately. And that, that doesn't mean we're not friends with them. That means they're, they're kicked out of the family, nothing like that. But this is, this is how I would, I, would, I would try to address it as, as biblically as I could. Okay? Kyle wants to shout his out. Mm. Now it seems to be kind of going big. Do you see the culture sort of shift pro and con in a way toward this thing? And do you think it'll shift back the other way? Yeah. Yeah, so I, th I definitely think there's ebbs and flows of that. There's cycles of that. I think there's... Um, I've, I've always said, I don't care who is in power, um, if it's... Um, 
whatever president, whatever party they're a part of, it suddenly becomes cool not to be in their party. And so I think you have some of that that happens in our culture, especially with big issues like this. And I think there's a danger. Um, there's a danger wherever you are on this issue. I think there's a real danger when we feel like, I was just telling my kids the other night, if you ever get to a place in your lifetime where you feel like everything is going your way, culturally, beware. Beware, because you, very good chance that in your lifetime you're going to see some really ugly, ugly things. That's just the way the culture goes, right? Okay, what else? Do we have an argument culturally against gay marriage without leaning on Scripture for people who don't care if it's sinful? Well, here's my, here's my thought. I was just thinking about this today. Um, okay, the, the states can do anything they want to do. Federal government can do that. If they, if they want to say that a man and a man and a woman and a woman can be in a civil union and can have all the same rights and all the same tax benefits and all the same death benefits and estate taxes and all that stuff, they can do that. That's how our laws work. They can make whatever the law they want. My issue, and what I would say, the issue that Christians have, and, and I, I don't want to speak for you, I'll just say from my perspective, my issue is not do we as a culture say yes to men and men and women and women allowing them in some kind of relationship. Now, we can sit here and go, well, I have a problem with that because I, I don't want to condone a culture that has that going. Okay, okay. My issue is marriage, and here's why. I honestly don't care what the federal government says or what the state government says. And I didn't have a chance to really talk about this tonight. The Bible defines marriage. Okay, and that's where it comes from. Now, you can talk about history. If you don't have a place to go where they say, I don't care about sinfulness, I don't care about the Bible, you can talk about the fact that, hey, over, over 2,000, 3,000, over millennia, no culture is ever recognized as a marriage, a same-sex union. Okay? So my issue is not so much that the, that the government allows for some kind of same-sex union. My issue is that they have redefined or are trying to redefine what the word marriage means. And I, I say it because the Bible very clearly tells us what a marriage is. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and the two will cling together, right? Be one flesh. That's Genesis 1. Uh, that, that then you get to Ephesians 5 where Paul talks about what a marriage is supposed to be. And here's the problem, guys. The problem is that marriage, as we've talked about I don't know how many times here in the last seven years, marriage is to be a reflection of the gospel. There is a man and there is a woman and there are complementary roles that they play. And one, if you will, is a pointer to the church and the other one is a pointer to Jesus. And that's why that complementary union comes together and now you have Jesus sacrificing himself for the church and the church submitting and loving Jesus. Well, if I have two men, let's say it this way, I have Jesus and Jesus. There's nothing to love. It's perfect. It's no, uh, there's no sacrifice to give. There's, it, it, it violates the gospel. And so now, now we, 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 we've now redefined what marriage means when the Bible says very clearly. So because I don't believe, it, let's say in 10 years, a gay couple comes to me who, let's say, have become Christian and realize they cannot be in this union anymore, and they would say, but how does the church look at me now that I'm divorced? I would say, I don't look at you as divorced. 
because I didn't look at you as married. I didn't, the Bible doesn't affirm. Now, the, the state might. There might be governmental things you have to go through, but in the church's eyes, it's, it was not a divorce because it wasn't a marriage. So, so, so I, I hope that helps, but I, I think, I mean, certainly you can appeal to history, but the, but the fact of the matter is this is a biblical argument, and if the culture is going to push away from it, as much as they say we didn't really care about the redefinition of marriage, what we all, all we really wanted was to have the same rights and benefits and equality, if you will. Okay, well then fine. There's a way to do that without redefining the term. That's my problem. And I think that's what you find is most, most evangelical conservative Christians. That's their problem, okay? Another one? Are homosexuals repent for attraction to the same sex supposed to practice celibacy? Yes. And let's just take it out of the realm of homosexuality because I think sometimes it becomes very charged, right? And that is that um, are, 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 is a man like me who is not married supposed to, to practice uh, celibacy? Yes. So it's the same issue, it's the same issue. So, so I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying that uh, that doesn't require the grace of God. I'm not trying to make light of that. I'm simply saying I think that's the fact, that, that you, you can struggle with same-sex attraction and part of the suffering for you as a believer is, is like we all have suffering to go through. Part of it is, is this, if you will, the suffering of realizing that, um, okay, Jesus has to be all for me. And, and I need to be celibate to honor God. I think that's the only way you can read your Bible and be consistent with what the Bible says about, let's call it, sexual ethics, okay? Do you just pray for homosexual loved ones? How and when do you speak to them about repentance? Well, um, you do both, but here's the deal. The problem is you don't just make that. I, here, here's, I get, I, I've had people come to my office or say, you know, sit down, Pastor Chris, you know, we've got... Um, We've got my, my, my son is going to come home for Christmas and he, and he wants to bring his partner. And so I feel like Christians, there's this, there's this group of Christians anyways that feels the necessity to go, okay, but before you do, I need to clear the air and let you know where I stand on homosexuality. I'm pretty sure they probably know. And I don't think that needs to be the, the opening salvo in every conversation. I think you let the Holy Spirit bring up those kinds of opportunities where you can speak. If they ever ask you, you answer. And you answer honestly, you answer compassionately, you answer biblically. But you, that does not need to be the thing that your relationship, right? I mean, you, your relationship doesn't always have to be about them being gay. It shouldn't be, in fact any more than you would say that of a friend who you know is being sexually promiscuous. You wouldn't just say, hey, we got to talk about your sexual, sexual promiscuity before we can have a relationship. No, you go, no, we, we just need to talk, right? I mean, I just want to be your friend. And in the context of that friendship, okay, yeah, maybe there will come a point, but we first have to befriend and love, and they're not a project, they're people, and we, we, we're really genuinely friends with them. And, and then as God opens up the door, we say, okay, you know what? I, you know, you want to know where I stand? Okay, here's where I stand. I love you. I think this is wrong, okay? And you know, you might be the kind of guy that, a gal that you'd go, you, you got to clean out the speck in your own eye. Maybe they could look right back at you and say, yeah, but what about your porn problem? Right? What about what, whatever, right? And you'd have to be willing to be rebuked about that one, okay? One more. What's the church's opinion on a homosexual couple purposely having uh, children together? Well, again, I, I, I think 
I think that's wrong. I think to, to bring a child into a homosexual union um, is wrong. Um, uh, and, and again, you can reject what I'm saying if you don't believe the Bible. Like, like, like if you just say, I, I, you know, I, I don't care what the Bible has to say about it. I don't care. Um, then, then, right, I'll, I'll, everything's fair game. And I'm just saying from a biblical worldview standpoint, a child needs a mom and a dad. Now, listen, you, you go do the research this week. You will run into study after study after study. And these are not Christian studies. These are just, you know, normal secular uh, sociological studies that show that there is, a, uh, there is a benefit to having a mommy and a daddy and not a mommy and a mommy and a daddy and a daddy. And I don't think our society yet knows the ramifications of what we have bought into. Okay, I think, I think we're, we're at that place where, where it's going to be, you know, we, we just don't. We're going we're gonna to have to watch how this unfolds over, over time and see, you know, what, are, what, what is this? Here, here's what I'm confident of. If you thumb your nose at what Scripture says, as a culture, as a person, whatever, we will reap, we will reap what we sow. And I don't know what that looks like right yet, but, um, but I think we will see it. Okay? That it? Guys, thanks for coming. Love you guys. Have a great week.